Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Seven Podcast. We're so thankful to be back with uh, another show for you. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the topic of volunteers, especially volunteering at like bigger events, such as music festivals, uh, conferences, and everything in between. So joining me in this conversation is Micah Current. Micah, what's going on, my friend? Um, It's... Another day, man. How's this cold weather treating you, especially after being in Florida? Well, it was weird because being in Florida, it was a little bit warmer, but it wasn't that warm. It was still pretty cold. We had a tornado warnings in Orlando. So we were kind of like confined into the conference center we were in because of the tornadoes. And then, yeah, but like, what, what do you think? 50s and 60s in Florida? Um, Actually, 50s and 60s is a high, but it got yeah. down to about the 30s. Yeah, but here in Ohio this week, it's been in single digits so far. True. Like when I got back from Florida to Ohio, it was like, ooh, it's really cold. But it, it, that's the thing. I think people are like, oh, it's going to be like super hot. It's going to be like in the 70s and 80s. Like, nah, not in the winter months. It's not going to be 70s and 80s down in Florida. But and it rained a lot, too, so I didn't really get to do much stuff. And, of course, the one nice day was the day that I was uh, doing a lot of setup for my uh, volunteering opportunity that I did down at uh, – Orlando. So, you know, my in-laws are going to Hawaii this week, so I'd be curious to see how the weather is there. Yeah. Well, maybe a little warm with those volcanoes erupt. Yeah, I told them not to go, you know, hiking on a volcano or anything. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, um but we're so almost through January. How do you feel I about know. that? Uh weird. I feel like I haven't even had the time to appreciate January. You know what I mean? Well, like, like, I, like, I, like, I've been I, sober, <laughs> and then I was gone for a retreat, and now I'm back, and now I'm starting confirmation, and I'm kind of sitting here going, awesome, like, so, yep. Yeah, I was sharing with you before we started recording, but I'm in my last, my last class for grad school, and it's a sprint class, and so the way that sprint classes work at, at Miami is that they're a month long, and so... You know, they literally start and you blink your eyes and they're done. So like last summer, I took three, for example, one in June, one in July, and one in August. And so um, my last one, which is going on right now, is actually over next Friday. So it's like January is gone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so before we dive into our topic of volunteers, a uh, story has gone wild, Micah. You have one or you're thinking, man, I've been gone so long. And I haven't even thought of one yet. Well, I have one, but it's it's really not aimed towards the, the topic, which it doesn't have to be. But, it doesn't um, have to be. Oh. I've really, you know, I, you and I have talked about it, but we want to talk a little bit more about like NDAs and, and documents that people sign and yeah, and things like that. Um, there were two, two times in my ministry career where I, I had to sign paperwork basically saying I was going to do what they wanted or I was fired. Uh, and one of those, I don't know if I shared this on this, this show, but it was one of my first ministry assignments and I was uh, pastoring at a church and the church was in transition because the lead pastor had left. And um, when I was hired under the lead pastors, you know, 
I guess, authority. I got, is that the right word? Because he was the guy that I reported to, and then he reported to the elders. And it was kind of a a strange structure, which we should do a podcast on that too, like structure of churches with boards and elders and mm. uh, different boards within the church, Christian education, et cetera. But um, for this church, uh, the way that it was set up was that we had a board of um, elders or trustees, and then we had uh, the church council. And so we, as the staff reported to the lead pastor and the lead pastor reported to those boards. And so um the pastor had transitioned out and um, I had been, you know, I was still like, I was like the next person, you know, I was the associate pastor of, you know, worship and, you know, it was kind of just trying to hold the church together while we got an interim and we had staff and everything was going great. And then um, to this day, I don't know what happened and why, but uh, I came uh, you know, to the office like normal, but then I got a text from one of our board members and I was like, this is strange. Like, I don't normally hear from this person, but he's like, Hey, are you going to be at the church at this time on this day? And so like, I was like, sure, I'll be there Friday. And he's like, I'll, you know, he's like, will you be there around, I don't know, three thirty or so. And I was like, sure. So I, um, I'm at the church and, you know, I'm getting ready for Sunday and Scott, it's good Friday, by the way. So like we, we were preparing for Easter and, and whatnot. And so they had put together this, this document. And, and by they, I mean the church council or the board or whoever it was at the time. And it had this new, like basically a new job description, completely different from what the pastor that I worked for gave me in respect to responsibilities, mm-hmm. like saying that I was going to be in the office from these hours to these hours and these days to these days. And on Sunday mornings, I wasn't going to, I wasn't allowed to wear jeans anymore. I had to wear like dress pants and, you know, had to wear some, you know, appropriate shirts, like dress shirts instead of, you know, a plaid worship leader shirt with, you know, jeans and and nice shoes. Um, But again, that the pastor told me that I could, I could wear those things. Um, And it wasn't that big of a deal because we wanted to make, church more inviting for folks um they wanted more hymns and less you know new songs and they wanted me to incorporate more you know xyz and and my you know like and it was almost like a, a job you know review and you know when i've worked in higher education we you know we have those twice a year where we have we check in with our supervisors and they give us kind of like Hey, this is how you're doing. And then they ask you to set goals and you try to see where you are with those goals and goes through human resources and everything. But at this church, they gave me this document and they told me to sign it and that it was up for, um, you know, it was subject for review in 30 to 60 days. And if I didn't shape up in respect to the way that they want me to or wanted me to, that they were going to terminate the agreement, meaning they were going to let me go. Um, and so here I am, I'm very young, my first full-time ministry role. I'm freshly engaged to Alicia. We're trying to figure out if she's going to move here or what's going to happen. And I get a document set on my desk and I have to sign it. And like, it was so weird, Scott, because like, I, 
I'm sitting there, you know, this young 20 year old, 20 something year old. And I had no idea. And he wouldn't let me leave my office unless I signed the document. Huh. And so I was kind of cornered into signing this document. So I signed it and I was like, what am I supposed to do? So like, you know, I signed the document, I leave, I called my dad, I called, you know, the state of Ohio just to see, you know, like, can they actually fire me? Can they like let me go? And, um, you know, this is a whole other conversation for a whole other day, but like, it's, you know, it's really just up to, you know, the church bylaws and the way that they have things set up, whether churches can let go of people or not. And, um, you know, what's the point of state, you know, leadership if they can't step in on behalf of the person who's going through something like that, whether, whether it's right, wrong or indifferent. So, yeah. And I I don't know. It it was just that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting because especially in that situation, like, you know, anytime you have to, anytime, I mean, here's the thing. If I was working at a church where I had to sign a piece of paper, an NDA or whatever, um, Usually, if you're a church that does that sort of thing, hopefully you give the person who's supposed to sign it some time to think about it, you know, to really read through everything and say, okay, you know, is this something that I am going to kind of submit to? But to be put in a corner and refuse to leave or have any time to be able to think it over, read it over, anything else is pretty shameful. At the same time, am I submitting to a piece of paper or to the rules of man, or am I supposed to submit to God who is calling me to serve in this church capacity, or if I feel called to serve in this capacity? So the whole NDA thing like bothers me anyway. But I think the other thing, too, is, you know, yeah, what's the state going to do? Like, if you are part of a denomination that has a state or a a state governance system to kind of look over everything, you know, what can they really do? I mean, I think in some ways, like, you know, it, it goes up to the bylaws. And even if the bylaws are very unclear, don't say anything about that, then... Most of the time, the state may send like a credentialing team or a committee in to just kind of see what's going on. But at the same time, like they don't really have much power to do anything. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, really, all they can do is basically say, we're here, we're going to investigate everything, and then we're going to make, and basically, we're going to kind of give our, our final results saying, hey, yeah, but in most cases, they're just recommendations. They don't really. They are you know, recommendations. Tr- so they, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, I mean, it's the same thing that Jim Lyons has been saying about being the general director. Like when he does those town hall meetings, he's like, you know, being the general director is a great responsibility, but it's not like I have all the power to make big changes. Like that has to be done through the general assembly. So even if something's going down, I say, hey, Jim. We, we got to do this. We got to pull the trigger on this thing. This could really make the church of God like grow or 
do it would be a great thing for the church of god movement and he'll be like sorry scott i can't do it we have to bring it before general assembly and then they're gonna have to decide it right i mean there's been a couple times like in ministry where i've had to where i've missed opportunities not because i didn't capitalize on them is because i would reach out to somebody uh, usually the head elder say hey here's this opportunity what do you think and you know at one church he goes hey if you think that it's going to be the best for the church i trust your judgment go ahead and pull the trigger on it and then there's other churches i've worked at where they say well let's let's bring it before the board and let's discuss it and by the time we bring it to the board and we discuss it and we and they say okay yeah this will be good let's do it the ship has sailed and we don't have that opportunity anymore so yeah it's uh it's a darn thing that the the whole thing um with ndas and signing papers and everything else like well i almost I felt like I was like, should I have a lawyer present for this? Well, I'm like, and I mean, I'm, I'm 26 or 27 years old, and I'm like, what do I do? Well, and I, I had, think even, and I think even in that way, I think, and maybe that might be a way to give some time. I mean, of course, you know, back then you didn't think about it, but I mean, and I think any time, I think there's times like when I would have documents or when I take church jobs, and I'm looking at like, okay, what my package is. I mean, there's times because uh, Laura's. You know, she graduated from law school. So for her, she she always looks over every document that I have just to make sure nothing's weird. I mean, she's even looked at church bylaws at churches that I've uh, <laughs> have uh, have um, campaign at or have had interviews at. She'll look over some of their documents and she'll be like, OK, you know, this is normal or it this seems a little sketchy. You might want to ask these questions in your second interview because there's some things in here that just don't make sense. So I'm like, okay. And obviously yeah. it seems like more times than not, those uh, churches are usually the churches that eventually I end up turning down or eventually they don't go with me. And it's like, well, thank goodness because I was going to have to say no to you anyway. So yeah. <laughs> it's not you. It's me. Yeah. It's not you. Um, yeah, so my story's gone wild, um, was recent. So I was down at the children's pastors convention in Orlando, Florida. And, um, I went down the day early, got to visit some friends and everything down there. And then I, uh, got to stay at the hotel, like this hotel that I was staying at where the convention center is I actually paid for a room to stay there a day before. So that way. <laughs> the day of I'm right there. I don't have to worry about travel or delays or anything else. So I get there and I'm helping early in the morning. I'm kind of helping get everybody worked up and getting all the tech stuff put together. And eventually there's a break. So I decide to go check in. So I go and I get up to the front desk and I say, Hey, I'm Scott. I'm Scott. I'm here for, I'm a volunteer for the CPC conference. I just need to check into my room. <laughs> Lady pulls it up. She goes, yep. Okay, here you go. She gets my key. She gets everything taken care of. And she goes, all right, well, 
It looks like you have another person staying in your room, a Kim. I'm like, a Kim? Okay. So I'm thinking, all right, that's a little weird because I don't know too many guys named Kim. But, you know, I would I would assume that this Christian organization did not put me in a room with a woman. So I get to the room. I open up the door, put my stuff in. And no one's in there, but there's my roommate stuff is in there. I'm like, okay. And I'm I'm looking at some of the things in this room and I'm starting to, some red flags are slowly starting to raise in my mind. I see fuzzy slippers. I see a toothbrush holder with cute little ducks on it. And I see this bag. I'm like, okay, I don't want to like start poking through people's stuff, but I want to make sure that I'm not staying with a woman. You're getting suspicious. I'm getting very suspicious. And I look through the bag and I see hairspray. And I'm thinking, okay. So I contact the volunteer coordinator. I said, hey, um, can you double check? Because there's some things in my room that make me think that I'm not staying with another man, that I'm staying with a woman. And they go, okay, do you you know what the name is of the person? I go, all I know is the lady said I'm staying with Kim. And she goes, oh, hold on. Let me look real quick. She looks through everything, gets back to me. She goes, oh, no, you're not staying with Kim. You're staying with June Kim. June is an Asian man. (laughs) And when she said that, it all made sense. The, the 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 toothbrush holder with the cute ducks because they were like the Japanese ducks. Um, the slippers because he's very big as when he walks into a room, he takes off his shoes and puts slippers on and goes in. It's like, this makes a whole lot more sense now. <laughs> but I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I just need to double check. So I felt bad and I was telling him, and I told my roommate the story and he goes, yeah. When I checked in too, she says, oh, is your name Kim? And he goes, no, my name is June. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but no, he was the coolest guy. I, I, I love my roommate, but oh, man. I was like very suspicious about what the heck was going on. I'm like, I don't know. This is a different well, for you, For all you knew, was, the last name was just Kim. Yeah. And that, but they didn't even say that was last name. That could have been the first name. I'm like, they didn't, they they weren't Disney wasn't spe- uh, wasn't specific on was that the first or last name. They go, oh yeah, you're staying with Kim because you called me Scott, and my last name's not Scott. So I'm like, okay, I'm staying with Kim. Well, I don't know what that means. I'm about to find out. I'm about to find out. Like walk in, if I start seeing women's clothes everywhere, I'm thinking, okay. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sleep like in one of the exhibit halls. That's what I could do. But no, it I was. Thought, I thought you were going to say, Scott, is that you were going to get your own room because it was a female. And so they were going to do like, you know, you were going to get like an extra room because of the the situation with, with that. So, yeah. Well, the other thing I started to get a little paranoid because when we had our, our team meeting, like early, everyone was talking about, oh, yeah. I booked my room and everyone's talking about how they booked their room. And I'm thinking, 
I didn't book my room because I'm a volunteer. I'm staying with a roommate. So I had to ask questions. I'm like, hey, this is my first time volunteering. Was I supposed to book my room even though I'm staying with a roommate? And they said, no, we booked our rooms because we have family with us. I'm like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Because if you, um, which I'll talk a little bit about the volunteer perks um, at the conference I'm at, but you can actually bring your families with you to this conference. And um, even if you're volunteering and, you know, they'll kind of take care of your room too. So, which is very nice. Uh, Nice. So today we're going to be talking about the topic of volunteering, especially volunteering at, um, Bigger festivals, bigger Christian venues, and um, in a way, kind of uh, see what the or the local church can learn about how to um, how to take care of their volunteers. Because at the Children's Pastors Conference, the one thing I've always hear here every time, and again, I didn't go to a lot of conferences, like little breakout sessions, because I had to make sure all the video and audio for the rooms that I was covering was good and that I was recording everything that speaker is saying, but um, volunteers always, how do I gain more volunteers? How do I retain volunteers? How do I, you know, that's always been the biggest crutch. I think probably recently that, I mean, I think it's always been an issue, but I think even now, after the pandemic, just trying to find good volunteers to serve in your churches and in your ministries is just very hard to come by. And yeah, I would agree with that. And it's, I mean, I think it's just a big, um, a big thing, but you know, I was thinking about this topic cause I'm, I'm like, well, you know, I think about my parents' church and the, not, not their current pastor, but the pastor they had before, had this whole vision about volunteer recruitment and it actually got to a point where I think 80% of the church membership was volunteering in some type of ministry, which and now this is before COVID, but even then I'm thinking that's pretty dang good that you are able to do that. Um, so, you know, when I talked with him about, you know, volunteers and stuff, you know, you know, he, the one thing that he does is, you know, he tries to encourage people, try to find people's gifts and talents to fit with a certain type of ministry that would help shine, make help that they can like really thrive in. And then the main thing he does is that every year they always do like a volunteer banquet where they get a catered lunch or a catered meal for all the volunteers and their families. And basically just kind of have this big program where they, where the pastor goes up there and says, Hey, thank you so much for all your hard work and your dedication. And that was pretty much what they did. And I'm thinking, dang, like that's good. Um, but you know, I think about when I was volunteering at these festivals or at this conference and even just the way they treated me as a volunteer, um, was just really good. Like really really good now there's some things where i was just like i'm bummed about this or i'm bummed about that because you know i'm a volunteer and i'm not just a regular attendee but i almost feel like some of those like disappointing moments at the conference was almost like a bug bite compared to 
you know, anything else. So, uh, Micah, have you ever volunteered at like a big event and what was kind of some of the um, ways that these big promoters or these big events, like how did they treat you or were there certain perks that they gave you when you were volunteering and kind of talk a little bit about your experiences if you ever been at, if you ever volunteered at like a big event. Um, so yes, uh, I volunteered for things both in the secular world and in, um, the church world. And it's, it's kind of interesting based on, I guess you you could break it down to what kind of event, whether it's, you know, music or whether it's just a conference or, um, you know, things like that, but, you know, some of the perks, you know, like you said, include, you know, lodging and food and amenities where your, you know, family can come and, um, you know, things like that. Uh, and then there's some, some things that you volunteer for that, that aren't super glamorous and there's not a lot of perks and it's like, why am I here and why, why am I doing this? So <laughs> I think that there's a couple of ways that you could look at it. Um, but you know, like I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, I used to volunteer um, at our national convention for the Church of God mm -hmm. um, years ago when it was still in Anderson, um, and before they were, you know, moving it around and having it in different places all over the country. Um, Is it reared in the auditorium? They, I mean, well, it depends. They had, they had a one year they auditorium had, and they no, no, tore no, no. that I, down, I, but then right, reared right, auditorium right. would have been the other one. Yep. Well, reared is still there though. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So like I, the, the years that I volunteered, I also led worship and was on the worship team and stuff like that. Um, and I, I played in the, the morning sermon or the services at park place. And then I also played in the evening services for the big conference and the big, uh, the big services. And I don't know that there were any perks or anything that went along with that other than I got an opportunity to play at that particular event, which I felt was a huge honor at the time, um, for being so young and having a background like I did, um, I got to play percussion. I got to play drums and guitar and bass. Like I played different instruments pretty much every morning in the morning sessions. And in the afternoon or in the evening, I did like the percussion and I played drums. And it was really cool because like I had never been in that kind of a big space before. So it was an honor and a privilege to do that. However, I didn't get paid. There wasn't like any, you know, you know, I've, I've played gigs. I've been playing music since I was five. I played gigs where I walk in and man, they've got like the smorgasbord of food and water and, you know, like this VIP treatment, the green room experience when you walk into this venue and you sit backstage and you feel real comfortable and everything before you get ready to go play the gig. And then I've walked into places where they've had absolutely nothing. So like for this, I felt like I'm getting this honor to play and volunteer for, for the church of God and play in front of all these people. But there was no like, gift card there was no i wasn't getting paid for it there was no you know green room or anything it was just show up and play pretty much for both series 
or like both services being in the morning session and the evening session. Um, and then they did the same thing when they moved it over to the, um, to the wellness center for the couple of years that they had it over there after they didn't do it in Reardon. Um, uh, I've also played in, uh, you know, bigger churches and volunteered in bigger churches where, you know, like I said, they have this, this green room experience where like you have like all this food and water and drinks and just everything. And, um, they treat their volunteers like gold. Um, but in like the secular world, it's kind of the same thing too. Like, and at conferences where you're, you're just passing out pamphlets and banning a table, done that before, I, you know, it, I guess it just depends on what, like even in higher ed too, right? Like I've, um, last year, the year before I went and I basically set up a table for Miami and I was just passing out information for the college and it was just a part of my job. It wasn't really volunteer, but, um, back to your point too, about the whole conversation of it's, it's hard to get, uh, volunteers, man. I just remember during the COVID era when I was in working in a church, um, you know, it's kind of the director pastor of media and, and video. Um, my responsibility was to recruit volunteers, to run cameras, to run sound, to run lights, to run slides, to run the live stream. And, I mean, I, I had to recruit probably 20 volunteers every week. And during that COVID season, man, it was like, nope, I'm sick. Nope, I'm not coming to church. Nope, my kid's sick. Nope, we don't feel comfortable. Like, you got every excuse under the sun. And for those who use Planning Center online to schedule things, um, I would send all these invites out, and I would get so many declines. And it was so defeating because, like, I've got, you know, I've got my staff – my supervisor's kind of like not harping at me, but like, you got to get more volunteers. You got to get more volunteers. I'm like, dude, there's a pandemic going on and I can't get volunteers. Yeah. So how do you, how do you expect me to get volunteers if there are no volunteers and the volunteers that we do have the 40 to 60 that are in my group and my core group, they're all declining invites. And I have no way of growing this ministry during a time when people were just not feeling safe and not wanting to come to church and weren't sure if they were even going to come back to church. So, um, and then I think even since then, and we've had this conversation in other podcasts about like, not just volunteers, but people coming back to church in a post COVID world. It's like, you know, like I, I don't, it's going to be more difficult to get people to come back. It's going to get more people. It's more difficult for people to volunteer. Um, and it's almost like you have to condition people again to get getting used to the idea of, Hey, we do need volunteers. We need, do need people to serve in children's ministry and student ministry and, and um, you know, sound and lighting and tech and all those things in worship ministry. So Scott's not playing drums every Sunday morning in the contemporary service. And, you know, also, you know, doing children's ministry and youth ministry or, you know, like there's been times, Scott, where I've been asked to play or fill in at the last minute because somebody's sick and I don't mind to do that. But it's just like my role as a pastor is to kind of oversee everything and make sure everybody's good and covered. And it's not necessarily about making me play all the time or be the center of attention, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of times. I think for like executive or lead pastors, you have to kind of be 
aware that sometimes your other staff may have difficulty trying to other teams get volunteers because of sickness. Like even now, like if we're what, like four, almost four years since the, since we, everything kind of shut down and, um, you know, me being sick and everyone else. So like, I actually was at church and I was wearing a mask because it's like, I mean, I think I'm at the end, the tail end of my disease, but I don't know, but I don't want to get other people sick. So, I mean, I'm going to show up and work, but I'm also going to have a mask on because I want to protect people. Um, And then like with kids getting sick, so I can understand like parents not showing up to do things because they're sick. So do you remember uh, last week's episode when you were talking a little bit about like the statistics when we were talking about church burnout, Um, you were talking about women being more afraid to to take you had a friend of yours that was like almost afraid to take time off because they looked at her differently because she was a woman. Um, I remember in 2020 when I caught COVID for the first time, I've had it twice, but the first time I got COVID, um, I remember being like three months into this job and new into this job. And I was scared to take off because I didn't have vacation or anything built up. It was just like, I'm sick and I guess I'm coming to work. And then, you know, I called and I'm like, I'm so sick. I have 103 fever. I can't get out of bed right now. And the lady's like, don't come to work. And I'm like, great. But for the first time in my life, I, and the reason I bring up the other is like, I felt like that because I've been in places where I didn't feel like it was appropriate or okay for me to call off work because of the pressure that I would feel from staff or church members or whatever. So, um, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So when I think about, you know, volunteering, like I actually stumbled upon a website and this is actually a website where it's like helps like people. It's actually from the UK and it's like kind of this breakdown of like, how can you recruit people for when you're going to put on a big event? So it's kind of like these like little like strategy things. Um, and at the end, they have this question where it's like, how can I retain festival volunteers for the long term? Meaning if I have this big event or this big festival and I have these volunteers, how do I get them to come back next year? So, um, and they said that recruiting volunteers for future events is easy when you have a robust volunteer management and appreciation strategy in place. So really it boils down to two things. How do you manage your volunteers? You know, are you burning them out or not? And how are you appreciating your volunteers? And I think that's kind of the big thing. Um, And they even say, you know, and they talk a little bit about making sure you communicate well, making sure you follow up after your event with um, detailed appreciation messages. Um, And let them know that, you know, we were able to, raise our funding or we were able to have a success in our event because of you guys, because of you volunteering your time to do this and then give gifts. So when I think about the conference I was at, I was at the children's pastors conference, which is put on by the international network of children's pastors. And um, so here's kind of my experience. So when I got picked to volunteer on the AV team, uh, first thing is I had a special code where when I registered, because I had to still register for the event, it was heavily discounted. So to put that in perspective, 
Um, they had their early bird pricing. Like if you got, <laughs> if you registered for CPC next year, this is going to be the lowest price you could get. And you had to do it at the conference. And it was $355. <clears throat> Versus as a volunteer, I paid $169 for me to go. So almost half off what I what anyone else is paying. So that's good. The next thing is they provided me with all my meals. There's one meal they didn't provide me for, but all the other meals they provided. So they provided lunch and dinner through Disney Catering. Uh, Monday, when I had to help set up, they got everybody Disney gift cards so they could go get food. And I used only a portion of it. So I still have money on Disney gift card, so I can use that to kind of help fund a little bit of my Disney vacation in the summer. So that's nice. And then for breakfast, what they did is they said, they gave us a list that said, here's all the things that we can get you for breakfast. Choose four in each of these categories. So it was like a drink and a couple of snacks and everything else. So I ended up getting orange juice, um, protein bars and an apple. So I had those things and they went, picked them up. I had my breakfast items, my roommate, he had protein bars and the Starbucks Frappuccino things like the little glass Frappuccinos. That's what he had for breakfast. So as far as our meals covered our lodging, our lodging was completely paid for too. And one thing they did this year, as opposed to other years is usually Thursday, is the last conference that ends at like six. And then the volunteers kind of get everything torn down. And then they'd have to try to figure out where they're going to sleep or stay because they only paid up until Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they never paid Thursday. Well, they decided, you know what, we're going to pay an extra day so that you don't have to worry about trying to catch your flight at like 11 or 12 o'clock at night. So they paid for an extra day. So all your lodging is paid for. Now you have a roommate but I know there are some people who, you know, maybe they have like medical reasons why they don't want a roommate. And you can put a request on, I don't want a roommate. And you can put the reasons why. And sometimes they'll grant that request for you. So your lodging is paid for. And it's not just like a cheap hotel. You're staying at a Disneyland. You're staying at a Disney World resort. And your room and board is taken care of. And then... You get 20% off the INCM store. So any t-shirts or memorabilia for the conference, 20% off. And then the last thing you get is because of you volunteering, you don't get the opportunity to sit through the general sessions all the way through, or you don't get the opportunity to choose what breakout sessions you want to go to. But you end up getting the digital experience package, which for someone, if I wanted to go but i couldn't i could pay money to get the digital experience package which means i get all the worship from the band and the general conference sessions all video and then all the breakout sessions which usually i had to attend six um you get all of them and you have them for you and you could use them for you or you could use them to help with your volunteers or your team back at the church that's a retail. They 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 retail that package at about three to four thousand dollars. As a volunteer, I get that for free. So that was all the stuff that happened at CPC. So food taken care of, my lodging taken care of, 
I get a digital package that not only do I get to go back and listen to all these great speakers and breakout sessions, but I can even share that with my team, with my volunteers at the church. And um, the only thing I really had to pay for was my travel expenses, my flight down and my flight back. That was it. Everything else was covered or discounted. So, um, so when I think about that, like, yeah, I don't, do I miss not being able to pick my breakout sessions? Yeah. Cause I had to sit through a session where it was like a, um, a group powwow on strategies for multi-site churches that has that doesn't appeal to me, but it was nice listening to all the problems that multi-site churches have. <laughs> but so it's stuff like that where you go, Oh, you know, I really would like to be at another session, but I'm stuck here because I have to make sure the video and the sound and everything works. But man, they took good care of me. And even at the end, my team lead sent like a great message to everybody saying, you guys were like the best. Everybody else was saying, you guys, everyone did a great job. All the volunteers worked so hard. Everybody did that. And then plus, I also got a swag bag full of stuff with T-shirts and water bottles and and everything else. So at the end of the day, it wasn't a bad experience. And I mean, someone goes, oh, would you do it again? It's like, if I decide to go again, like, yeah, I'd definitely volunteer because it was, it was great. Like, I mean, I felt, I felt appreciated. I felt valued. Um, and yeah. So I, and I think about, and then even just looking at like other conferences or, or like, even like people who like helped sell merch for like bands, touring bands when they're coming into town. They get a free t-shirt or if you're helping out at the festival, you get like a voucher for a drink or you get, or if you're helping volunteer at a movie, at a, um, at a theater, an orchestra, uh, you get to see the orchestra for free. And then you may get a discount to buy tickets to see a future show. If you decide you're not going to volunteer. So when you look at the secular world and even some of these big events, when they ask it for volunteers, they usually have not only like a gift or an incentive to do it, but there's also a way where they kind of show appreciation to you through verbally, through love, through care, and then also through some discounts and through gifts, which is which is nice. Um, and and I so my big question is is why doesn't the local church do that? I've been trying to figure that out for over a decade. I'm curious if it has to do with like the one scripture verse where it's like, you know, I can't, and I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase it because I, right now I don't even have it pulled up, but it's like, you know, make sure that when you give, give with a thankful heart, or if you're serving, you know, don't ask for anything in return. And I think, you know, sometimes those scriptures that people read, they say, well, you know, if you're volunteering, you should just do it because the Lord has put it on your heart to do it. And you should do it because, you know, that's what you should do as a Christian. You become a Christian and you should serve the local church. Um, so it's almost like kind of like it's mandatory that you have to do it. Um, but if you don't treat your volunteers well, they're not going to stay around. And plus, there's no incentive. I mean, unless you go to a church where you have a pastor yelling at you going, why are you not volunteering? You're sitting. Like, 
But most churches don't say that or do that. We just say, usually people complain, we don't have enough volunteers. And they go, we'll recruit them. So they try these different recruitment strategies with with not a lot of great stuff. And I think a lot of times if you, um, and I think maybe sometimes like if you are treating your st- your volunteers well, if you're managing them well, you're appreciating them well, and then other people in the church see how you're doing, how you're treating your volunteers, depending on that is probably going to depend if you're going to get more volunteers or if you're going to get less volunteers. At least that's my, what I think. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tricky dichotomy, I guess, because it's just, it's hard because you want to treat your volunteers well. And I've seen, I've been in churches, Scott, where people just look so happy to be there in every role, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's greeting, whether it's, I don't know, you're working the parking lot. You name it, man. Like they're happy to be there. And then I've been in other places where it's like, they don't look happy at all. Um, And it's just written all over their face and in their body language. Uh, But you're right that it's like, why is it so difficult for people to to treat people so well within the church? I I just don't understand that whole, that, that philosophy or that theology, because it's like, here we are, this is supposed to be a place of love, peace, God, you know, God and grace. And it's like, Mm -hmm. people get treated better in the, in the world than they do at the church. And it's, I don't know with the volunteer thing. It's, it's even worse because it's like, it's not a job. It's volunteering because you want to serve. Like if you're making serving one of your core identities as your your vision and as your assimilation and you know the things of your church the, the the dna of your church people should want to serve because it's a privilege and an honor not because you're being forced to do it and you're not doing it the right way and you treat people poorly and i've seen too many times over the last several years that you know you're not good enough to be a greeter you're, you know, and I'm not, I've not heard people flat out say that to somebody, but their body language and their suggestion says otherwise. And it's, it's no wonder people don't want to volunteer. And that has nothing to do with COVID or 2020 or beyond 2020. That could be part of it. But it's like, I think the bottom line is if you don't treat people and love people with respect, why are they going to want to volunteer and give their time for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounded like you got treated pretty well for volunteering at this conference. Oh yeah. I definitely, I definitely did get treated well. And it actually was so funny because um, first time I went to CPC, um, I went with my sister in her church and, you know, a couple of their volunteers and, you know, we talked about stuff and then I was the first one to volunteer. So then my sister couldn't make it, but um, the, children's pastor at my sister's church and another children's pastor in Northeast Ohio were down there. And we actually ended up having dinner the one night that they didn't pay for my meal. Like, cause they, during the conference, one of the things they do during the conference is they'll have like a, 
morning session and then all the evening session. What they did is after your morning sessions, you'll have like a breakout and then they say, okay, we're not going to have an evening session. I want you guys to go and have a time of rest, go to a Disney amusement park, go to, go to Disney Springs, go somewhere like they're pretty much saying, Hey, and even the volunteers, like even my volunteer lead goes, yeah, basically I'm being told you have to go do something Disney today and you can't stay here and work. So you have to go and do stuff. So it's like, leave, go do something, go have fun. Like that's why you're here. You're here to, it's a day to refresh and relax and everything. So go ahead and do that. So had dinner. I think another thing too, Scott, as I'm thinking about it, like, um, I think too that churches kind of get in this this cycle of okay, let's say that we have thirty volunteers. They're great volunteers and they're doing exactly what we need them to do, but they're the only volunteers we have. But we love what they do, but we don't want to purposely. There becomes this like territory, the territorialness. I don't even know if that's the right word. There, there's the sense of terri- uh, territory and respect to like. Well, I've always been a greeter or I've always served on the worship team. So like that happens a lot of times in smaller to mid-sized churches, whereas like we need to get more volunteers and more people in rotation so that you can actually have a break and enjoy service and enjoy, you know, the church for what it is other than being here and volunteering all the time. On one side of that, there's that equation. But on the other side, you see it where it's like the staff and, and the culture of the church, they just stick with that core group of people and they don't get volunteers. And then they wonder why they're not getting volunteers because they already have volunteers. If that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. And yeah, and that could be, that could be an issue too. And I've seen that happen a couple, couple of times. And I think that goes back to volunteer management. Like if you have someone who's always been a greeter, but let's say you have, you know, 12 people that want to be a greeters, you know, you have to kind of, as a team lead, you're going to have to like let that person know going, Hey, I know you'll the greet. I know you'll do that, but you know, you also should have a time to kind of not greet, you know, a time to really sit and enjoy the service and not miss like the first 15 minutes of service. Cause you're still greeting people who are coming in late to the church. Like, you know, you should be able to have that time. And, you know, I try to make, I try to, at least with my volunteers, I try to, communicate hey the most you have to serve is once per sunday like you know and i'm trying to push that agenda because i know some people they got burned up because they said oh yeah i'll 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 be a sunday school teacher and then they end up doing it every single sunday and they don't get to be in church and it's like i'm fine with you just doing one sunday a month and if I have more volunteers, one Sunday every six months, or I mean, I'm sorry, one Sunday every six weeks. So we do a rotation and, and, and especially now with a lot of the like planning center and a lot of other like church management software, it's so easy to set up and do that. And then that way people get a reminder, oh, hey, but it's your week to teach this Sunday. Oh, okay. And you're good. Um, so so what can the church do to show their appreciation to their volunteers that they have? I mean, I mean, I think about the uh, pastor Josh and having a banquet. Here's a nice catered meal. Thank you guys for serving. We appreciate you. Um, some people do gift cards. Some, and I think even maybe throughout the whole year, some people probably just 
verbally just go talk to him and say, Hey, I appreciate all the hard work you're doing. Thank you so much for serving kids. Like I try to make sure every time I send an email out when I'm giving lesson plans, I would say, thank you guys so much for your dedication, your hard work for the kids here at church. Like I always want to make sure I show, I always want to make sure every time I have correspondence with my teams or my volunteers, I want to say, I appreciate you guys for doing great work. Yeah. Um, I think so. One of the churches I, I used to work at, we did the, the whole volunteer thing. And um, the, that usually went over well. And it was just like, I think we did one in the fall before, you know, the big fall kickoff started and we just gathered all like, and in respect to this illustration, just the worship group, which included worship tech and um, worship. So the band vocalists tech, which included sound and lighting, you know, they could all bring their spouses and their kids and we just, the church would buy food and we would have a time of fellowship and a time of games and a time of just appreciating one another um, for uh, serving in the local church. And I think that, you know, that that went a long way with people. And it's kind of the same deal with, um, you know, you mentioned gift cards. Like, I think around Christmas, we always did like Starbucks and Chick-fil-A gift cards. And we would get everybody that served on a team a gift card. Um, and like, you know, you know what you said, I was a big fan of, I'm always a proponent of like thanking people for their time, thanking people for volunteering. Thank you for being a part of this, you know, X, Y, Z. Right. So like uh, I'm in the class that I'm in right now, uh, we're talking about like interview techniques. Right. And so like, that this can include like the interview that you and I are doing right now over a podcast and, or like an interview for a job, but like what happens when you apply for a job? What's like, you know, standard practice when you apply for a job and interview for a job, as soon as you're done with that interview, you thank everybody that you make sure that you know, everybody in the, you know, that said in that interview. And as soon as you get home or as soon as you leave the parking lot, you send an email and say, thank you for your time and copy everybody on that email. It's just taking that extra step and that extra initiative to make sure that people are appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it really, I think that's really the key, you know, and I mean, I think as pastors or team leaders or you can get so bogged down, like how come no one's volunteering? How come no one's volunteering? And I think if you're in that kind of that rut of not being able to get volunteers. I think if you are able to show your appreciation for them, you're able to do some type of incentive and it doesn't have to be big, like especially like smaller churches, you may think like, Oh, well doing an entire meal is not going to be good. Well, every, all small churches do potlucks to say, Hey, we're going to have a volunteer, a special, like, Volunteer dinner, bring a side, brings, we're, I'm, you know, church is going to provide the protein, bring a side dish, and we're just going to have a celebration of a, showing appreciation to all the hard work you guys have done for, um, you know, for this year. And I think if you can do it that way, um, that'll be good. I think the other thing is don't plan it like at the end of the year, like don't do it in December when things are already hectic already. But, I mean, think about it. I mean, if you think about Sunday school, you have a school calendar, right? 
So, you know, your public schools or your charter schools, your private schools start sometime in the fall and they end like right at the end of spring, beginning of summer. Well, do it right in like May. Do it like sometime after Easter. So then that way you can say, hey, we appreciate you. That way you still have everybody that can come. And then that way it's not like, okay, we would do this appreciation thing in the middle of the summer and everybody's taking their vacations. Like, you know, I think sometimes just doing it in that way where you can just say, hey, we show appreciation. You know, you kind of let your volunteers know. You kind of let the church know too. Like, hey, we have this banquet going on because we want to show appreciation for our volunteers of everybody's done something and show that appreciation. I think in that way, people might be like, Hey, I should serve. I should volunteer. I should do something. And I think that's going to be key to what we do. So um, any final thoughts from you, Micah? No, I just think it's important to take care of your, your volunteers and, just remember it's important to recruit new volunteers and include and it just helps include everybody when you you know keep recruiting and I think that's one of the hardest things and I'm guilty of this in ministry is recruiting and, and keeping volunteers happy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to the Scott Stemman podcast. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and hopefully. We'll be back on next week with a new episode and hopefully with slightly warmer weather. Take care.